Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. And my, I, I slightly adjusted the title, um, but you'll see it actually still shows up in some other places. My original title is Free to Be You, Sort of. And I, everybody laughed as well, too, and that's what, what the point was to kind of be a little bit funny with it. Um, but we do have a freedom that Christ has bought for us, amen? And so let's pray, and then we're going to get into this, uh, hopefully go on a journey this morning of discovering what the Lord has, has done and, and laid out for us so that we can live in the fullness of the freedom that he has for us. So Father, we, we do commit this time. We commit our hearts. We thank you that you are here, Holy Spirit. You've been here from the moment that we walked in the door. We know wherever two or more are gathered that you're there. So we welcome you, we thank you, we ask you this morning to speak to us, to speak into our hearts, that your word would go in, that it would penetrate our hearts and it wouldn't return void. In Jesus' name. I was sharing in the first service, it's like when you, you know, there's, there's times when you play on like video games and, and you're, you're looking and you can kind of zoom in to a particular spot and kind of see something close up and sometimes that's what the Lord does to me. Uh, I'll be sitting in a, in a meeting and someone's speaking, and it may not even necessarily be related to what they're speaking on, but then the Holy Spirit zooms in on a word or on a scripture or something and begins to speak to me about that. And that's where this kind of came about. Um, in one of Adam's messages a couple months ago, it just ha- had one of those moments, Rod calls them zoom-zoom moments, where it wasn't necessarily the word coming off the page, but it was just one of those moments of interaction with the Holy Spirit where he started to speak to me. So if you guys ever see me in the service, I'm, I'm on my phone, I'm not playing games, I always take those notes in my phone. That's, that's like my get out of jail free, so in case I am ever doing anything on the phone, <laughs> that you guys think I'm actually being spiritual and taking notes. <laughs> no, I am. I put them on my phone because if I write them down somewhere, I, I'll often lose those notes and my phone I have with me. So, um, so there's a young boy um, in the town, walks into a barbershop. And the barber looks up, sees this boy, and he knows the boy, recognizes him, and he leans over to his customer that he's cutting his hair, and he says to the, the customer, he says, look, he says, this is the dumbest kid in town. He's like, and I'm going to show you right now. He's like, I'm just going to show you. And the customer's kind of like, okay. Um, all right, and so the barber goes to his cash drawer, and he gets two quarters and a dollar bill, and he puts the two quarters in one hand and the dollar in the other, and he says to the boy, he says, hey, he, come here got two quarters and I've got a dollar. You can have either one. Which one you want? And so the boy grabs the quarters and he runs out of the store. And the, the barber looks at the customer and says, see, I told you. And a little, about a half hour later, the customer who had had his hair cut, he's walking in town and he sees this little boy come out of an ice cream shop licking an ice cream cone. And he looks at the little boy and he says, hey, son, how, why did you take the two quarters instead of the dollar. And the boy looks at him and smiles as he's looking at his ice cream cone and says, if I took the dollar, the game would be over. <laughs> so who, who got played, right? <laughs> so when I talk about free to be you this morning, the world needs who you were created to be. Amen? God has created you as an individual, unique person on this planet 
with a purpose, with a plan. He created you uh, with a destiny, and the world needs who you were created to be. And there are certain things that, you know, I could not be. Harlan is a Miami Dolphins fan. He's not in the room, actually, at the moment, so now I'm picking him. He's not here. I didn't know he was going out, but I couldn't be a Miami Dolphins fan. Just couldn't be. <laughs> this couldn't happen. And I think JD would have the, the same sentiments there. <laughs> but there's certain things that the Lord has, has graced us. He's given us. He's given us gifts. He's given us talents. He's given us abilities. There's certain things that he has given us a measure of faith that is just for us. It's for us. We have certain people that in the world that he has called us to reach, to encounter, to Rachel's word about encountering people, that we are, they're out there. Um, Pastor John, kind of going out of order here, but Pastor John, when he was here in his message last week, spoke about these encounters that we have with people and that kind of heaven and earth move. People get relocated from states and from other countries to have a divine meeting. And there's a lot that goes into those. And so if we miss those, those times, the Lord obviously can rearrange and rework, and he's still working. But those, those times, those appointments that we have, there are people that we come across every day that he has for us to encounter. Amen? And so the world needs who we were created to be. So we're going to go through just an introduction, a few points about that, and, and then we're going to get into talking about some boundaries. And when, when you hear people hear that word sometimes, it kind of has a negative connotation, but I want to say this morning that the Lord wants to bring us to another level of freedom. Amen? Amen. So, first point in introduction is that we were created to be free. Amen? God created us for freedom. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. It says that Galatians 5.1, let me, you can put that slide up. Says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and then do not let yourselves be burdened again to the yoke of slavery. In John 8:34, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Satan has come and really done a number of messing with this whole idea and concept of freedom. And he's distorted it, and now we have this concept now that's become a cultural norm that anything goes. And I can be whoever I like, I can be whatever I like, I can do whatever I like, and the reality is that is not how God has created us. God has created us uniquely to be who we are, and not that we can be whoever or do whatever and so we're going to come back to the circle, back to that a little bit, but it's a counterfeit for the true freedom that Christ has for us. Amen? Because it becomes a distraction. We start to look around and I start to say, I, I need to lead worship like Rachel does because she just does it a little bit nicer than I do. Or, or, or John is a little bit more skilled with, with building things than I am, and so I, I, need, to be, I need to be like that. You know, the, we, we look around so much and see, and compare, and we, we, and instead of looking and saying, okay, God, who is it that you have given me to the world's be? For God so loved the world, he gave his son, but then his son gave it back to us, so that we could be his hands and feet to the world. Amen? So we're going to circle back to that a little bit later. later. Um, and so, God's original intent 
when he placed Adam and Eve in the garden, they had total freedom, total liberty. They were in the garden. They were unashamed, and they were there, and they walked with God, a total perfect relationship with God. And he came and walked with them. And I want to tell you that his, his original intent is his eternal intent. And so that which was from the beginning of time that he established that he desired to walk in the garden with Adam and Eve and have a relationship with them, that is still his eternal intent that he has for us today, to walk in that fullness of the freedom that Christ has given us. Amen? So we were created to be free. Second point, we were created for a plan. It wasn't just happenstance. I mentioned about the, the encounters that, that God has planned for us throughout our life with people, and I can tell you it's, it's the most amazing exercise if you ever get to do it, but to actually do trace, to trace back from to where you are and then start to trace back to the major events and decisions and life events and people that you met along the way to that you arrived at the place that you are and to see the hand of God working through it. Wherever you are in your journey with him this morning, it's an amazing thing to see how we get there and how he gets us to where he wants us to be ultimately. So Ephesians 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's not quite as a dramatic effect as, as Harlan has when he drinks water. Yeah, so we, for we were created for his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he had prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Psalm 139, which is a familiar passage for a lot of us. Um, David speaking and being very intimate and vulnerable with the Lord. He said, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, this, that scripture says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are many other scriptures that show us, that detail for us, that God has a plan for us. So we were created for freedom and two, we were created for a plan. Third point is that we were created for a purpose. <coughs> Genesis 28, or sorry, Genesis 1, verse 28 says, God blessed them and said to them, speaking of Adam and Eve, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So Adam and Eve were given this responsibility in the garden. They were given a garden to tend. They were given, Adam was given a job. They were given a job together to cultivate the earth, to be fruitful, to multiply, and to subdue it, and to rule over the earth, not rule over one another, to rule over the earth and everything in it. And we each have been given a garden or a sphere that the Lord has set us in. It's a sphere of responsibility. Each one of us have been given a measure of faith. It says in Romans 12, verse 3, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, that you not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, 
but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Amen? So we've each been given a specific measure of faith. Now, I believe there's scriptural context that that, that measure can grow in time, but God has given us a measure of faith. Each one of us have been given gifts or talents. 1 Peter verse 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Whatever gift you've received. He's given us gifts. He's given us talents. He's given us abilities. Created us with a purpose. Amen? So how do we live out this purpose, this plan, and live in this freedom that he has for us? And I want to tell you one of the ways he's given us boundaries. Amen? God has given us a roadwork. He's given us a framework. He's given us the guidance, instructions. He's given us a helper in the Holy Spirit. Amen? When Jesus came, he didn't leave us alone. We have this, and we have the Holy Spirit, and we have one another as the body. Amen? Anybody ever seen the movie The Lion King, or either one of them? Oh, not as many people as first service. Wow. Okay, so we always kind of default to Disney. I don't know why, but not, not I don't know. This, that's not a, a statement on anything, just we have kids, and we've watched all the Disney movies. Um, but in the beginning of The Lion King, there's a, towards the beginning of that, there's a familiar scene where Mufasa is with Simba, and he's talking to them. He's starting to, to share with them, give him insights into what his future is going to look like, what being a king is all about, because Simba, we know, we know the story, for those of you who've seen it, he kind of thinks it's all going to be fun and games, and he's, you know, there's the, that whole song, gonna be a mighty king. So, so we've got that whole, that whole scene that he goes through, but here Mufasa is trying to talk to him and tell him, say, hey, look, there are, even when you're king, there are boundaries. When you look out over this, everywhere the light touches, there's a boundary. Beyond that, we can't go. That's not, we're, we're, we move outside of the authority that we have. We move outside of the kingdom that we have dominion over. Amen? And so for us, we have the same thing. We look out sometimes, and the grass is greener. And we kind of want to, you know, Simba was super curious, and he heard about all the stuff that's, oh, there's an elephant graveyard out there. Let's go check it out. And disregarding the, the dangers, and the story goes, you know, obviously it, it ended up not well. Um, things got righted at the end, but so we have these boundaries that the Lord has given us. Amen? He's given us a framework. But I want to tell you, the thing that Satan comes to try and do is to say, hey, these boundaries that he's given you, he's just trying to give you a list of requirements, things that you have to do. But I want to tell you there's good news. The requirements have all been wiped away. It says, let me read the scripture in Colossians. Colossians 2, 13 and 14 says, He has made alive together with him 
having forgiven all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he taking it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Amen? So Satan comes in and he tries to say, hey, these, these, these boundaries, these guidelines, these, this place that God's given you, you, you don't have to operate in that. You can, you can move over here, but we need to stay within the boundaries that God has set for us. And we're going to continue to look into that and look why. Um, David in the Psalm 16 says this, read uh, verse, from verse 1 to 8. Keep me safe, my God, for I take, in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom all is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me even at my night. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. That his boundaries have fallen for us in pleasant places. They're not there to be restrictive. They're there to bring us freedom. They're there to bring us liberty. And David understood that well. So what are boundaries? Well, simply put, this is Webster's kid's definition. So simply put, it's something that points out or shows the limit or end, a dividing line. We encounter boundaries every day of our lives. We are bombarded with boundaries from our roads to airports to work to our relationships to everything else. There's this, it's just a constant barrage of boundaries that we, we run into. There are physical boundaries, spiritual and religious boundaries, Emotional boundaries, relational boundaries, professional boundaries, time boundaries, and the list goes on. But there is a purpose to boundaries. Amen? You can drive around Palm Coast or, I don't know if in Flagler so much, but I see them when we go walking. And there's those little silver survey markers that are just hammered into the pavement. And they're there for a purpose. They're there so that when they come to do a survey, that there's a reference point that's already there. And it makes, makes their job very easy. Now on Palm Coast, we've got these little 10,000 square foot nice rectangular lots, and it's not so difficult to see where, pretty much where the property boundaries are, but some places it is difficult. Um, and so, so boundaries are there to kind of help locate us, help show us where we are and where we're supposed to be. Amen? Okay, so we've got these boundaries. The first point I want to make about boundaries is that our boundaries are found in Christ. They're found in him. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word. He, he is the word. Jesus is the word. He is the framework. He is the boundary by which our lives need to be guided. He is the plumb line. Amen? John chapter 15 Jesus goes through this whole discourse. It's in a passage of Scripture right before he's getting ready to go to the cross. And he's trying to unfold three years of them, the disciples, walking with him 
And they've been on this journey, and now he's like, okay, I'm going to be going away for a while. And I know you don't understand it now, but now beginning to speak to you. You know, Jesus told him, he said, I, I speak to you now in parables, but soon I'm going to speak to you plainly. But when he got to John chapter 12, he started speaking plainly to them. And so this is part of that unfolding. And in John chapter 15, he talks about he's divine, and his father's the vine dresser, and we're the branches, and that we have to be grafted in him. If we're not, we can't be fruitful. And he talks about abiding in him. And that is the place where we find the safety, the boundaries, the framework that he has established for each one of us, which is an amazing miracle because we are billions of people on the earth, each created uniquely, and each find our boundaries and our identity in Christ. Amen? So he's the word, we're to abide in him. And then Rachel kind of referenced this, which is very, really, you know, it was just touched me that the Lord really is speaking something. The two greatest covenants that, or commandments that Jesus gave was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And on everything else, all the law and commandments hang. So what Jesus is saying there is, is if you can keep those two everything else will fall into place. There's nothing, there's nothing else you'll miss. You won't miss it if you really keep those two. Jesus gave us the greatest demonstration of living within boundaries. Amen? He was the epitome of, of meekness. And we kind of have a, 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 sometimes a, a distorted perception of that word meek. When it says in, in Matthew 5, chapter 5, it says the meek will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. We kind of think of there was that, that hymn that says, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. And we think of this, mm -hmm, Jesus turned the other cheek. Jesus wasn't that. He was a man's man. He was tough and gentle. It says in, in Matthew eleven twenty nine, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. So he's gentle. He dealt with people gently. The woman with the issue of blood who reached out and touched his, the hem of his garment, he dealt with her with such gentleness and grace. The woman who was caught in the act of adultery dealt with her with grace, with Peter. When Peter denied him, he dealt with him with gentleness and with mercy and grace but he wasn't weak. He stood before Pilate when he was arrested. Never gave in, never capitulated, never gave Pilate the answers that he was looking for. And then he went through a brutal beating, torture, and then had to carry a cross. And I, I don't think that I would have made it even to the cross. Physically, the physical beating that he took, I don't think I would have made it there. So he wasn't weak. And yet, well, he was the epitome of being completely submitted and subjected to the Father, living within boundaries. He is the epitome of power under control, which is meekness. That's what meekness is. If you think of a, a well-trained horse, that is a good picture of meekness, a horse that will not throw its rider. And so there's a picture of June 13, 1981. There was a, an assassination attempt on Queen Elizabeth, and it wasn't really an assassination, it was just a starter pistol. 
but she's riding her horse, and six shots were fired. It was a starter pistol revival, had six shots, and you can hear the shots when you listen to the video. And the horse moves a little bit, but the horse doesn't throw the queen because it was trained to carry royalty. And that was what Jesus demonstrated for us. He was the only human ever to walk the earth that did not act on an original thought. That one, that one will cook your noodle a little bit if you really sit and think about it. Because the word says that he was tempted with everything common to man. So he had the thoughts that we have. He went through everything that we have. He experienced, encountered the difficulties that we have as human beings, the frailty that we have. And yet, in total submission and subjection to his father, he only ever did what he saw the father doing. Never acted on his own. Amen? If we're going to be carriers of royalty, if we're going to carry the king, we have to embody meekness. We have to be subjected and submitted into the sphere, into the grace, into the boundaries that he has called us to, that he has graced each one of us to, because he's given each one of us a measure of faith. He's given each one of us a measure of grace. Amen? So boundaries, our boundaries are found in him. Number two, our boundaries are inherited. Okay, when Israel came into the promised land, um, the land, as they began to possess the land and drive out the, the, the nations that were in there, seven nations that were there, um, that's a whole other teaching about driving out the nations. Um, but the, So as they drove out the nations, they divided up the land among the tribes and then the tribes among the families. And those lots that they were given were fairly sizable. I mean, they were big swaths of land that were given to families, but they were supposed to maintained in those families in perpetuity forever. It was God, the promised land and God's covenant with them was that he gave them the land and that they would dwell there. Now, the story changed a little bit down the road, but that was the intent. And so, but God, in his wisdom, in knowing that the men that were in charge, because women weren't actually property owners at that time, you had to be married in, in, in the covenant of marriage and a husband to, you, you, only men could inherit land, Okay. And so every 50 years, there was a jubilee year that those property boundaries were reset because God knew that somewhere along the way, somebody like Esau would come along and sell their birthright for a bowl of soup, right? Because sometimes us men, we do things, silly things, and we're willing to give away our inheritance at times and squander our inheritance for something of insignificance. But God then in his, in his wisdom, every 50 years, said every 50 years is going to be a jubilee year and all the boundaries are going to get reset. So when Jesus came, he stood up in the temple in Luke chapter 4, opened the scroll and he read from Isaiah. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And that proclaiming of the year of the Lord's favor is, was proclaiming a jubilee year. Jesus said at that moment in the temple, I am coming to reset the boundaries. 
there's some things that we, for those who were, who, who were at the marriage conference, talked a little bit about the, the, the whole concept of iniquity and how iniquity gets passed down generationally. And that relates to some of these boundaries that we inherit some things sometimes that are not great. We inherit some things generationally, and I want to tell you today that Jesus is able to come and to reset the boundaries for you today. Amen? So boundaries are inherited. Point number three, boundaries are there for protection. In Deuteronomy, um, there's a couple of scriptures in Deuteronomy and then Proverbs. Deuteronomy 19.14 says, Do not move your neighbor's boundary stone set up by your predecessors and the inheritance you receive in the land that the Lord is giving you to possess. Deuteronomy 27 says, Cursed is anyone who moves their neighbor's boundary stone. And I want to say that's just below the command where it says to honor your father and mother. So it says honor your father and mother, and then it says don't move the boundary stone. Because what happens when you move the boundary stone is that people don't know that they're trespassing. Proverbs 23, verse 10 says, Do not move any ancient boundary stone or encroach on the fields of the fatherless, for their defender is strong. He will take up their case against you. Our culture, there have been some boundaries that have moved. Amen? And there's some things that we need Jesus to come in a new way and to bring a reset. Um, I want to tell you a funny story in the midst of <laughs> gravity. So with Sarah and I, we lived in South Africa in 2003 and four. We were part of Victory, what was then Victory Master's Commission. And when we arrived there, we, we arrived and we thought that there was going to be other young married couples that were part of this school and come to find out that we actually were the first ones and the only ones that year. And so... We land up in this house with a couple of kids who had been there the year before and, and 18 or 19 other kids who were just out of high school doing a gap year. They're 18, to, you know, some of them were, yeah, they, they literally 17 going on 18. The oldest of them was like 21 or 22. And we weren't, we weren't old then, but I mean, we were married. So we had kind of thought we had moved past some of the, the childish things, but Needless to say, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't what we anticipated, living in a house with 20 other teenagers. So, but God had a plan. <laughs> say that. <laughs> but so, very early on, the first couple of weeks, one of the girls who worked in the office, she's like, look, I want to take you guys out for coffee, get you out of the house one evening, get you away from everybody. Let me take you for coffee. So we were waiting this, this evening to, for her to come pick us up. So we're standing out in front of the house. And Sarah had to go back inside for something. And she had to go, I don't know, she forgot something in the tea room that was outside of the kitchen or whatever it was. But she went to that area of the house where there's a tea room outside of the kitchen. And that's where everybody liked to congregate and hang out. Two of the young men, Sven and Greg, I'll mention them by name in case they're watching, but they're probably not. They were in this tea room and... <sighs> they somehow got in their mind that they should try and tickle this married woman's feet. Okay, I, for any of you young people, anybody watching out there, not a recommended thing, okay? But I don't, know where, I don't know where they were in their thinking. 
But so Sarah graciously warns them, says, guys, look, seriously, please don't do this. You will regret it. I'm warning you, leave me alone. Don't touch my feet. And they continue on. So I'm not here for any of this. I have no idea this is going on. I was waiting outside and I was like, where is she? And the, the, late, the girl who comes was coming to take us a coffee, she arrived and I go back in the house to find Sarah and I find Sarah. These two guys are rolling around on the ground moaning. And I'm like, um, what, what on earth happened here? She's like, they wouldn't listen. So, boundaries. So they, they, tra- <laughs> they transgressed the boundary that they were warned not to transgress. So, so some, of you, some of you have a different, a different perspective on my wife now. So, in all seriousness, back to, we have some cultural boundaries that have shifted. And in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 15, this is a perfect picture of what happens when boundaries are moved. Okay, just a half of, half of the verse, Jeremiah 6, 15, it says, are the speaking of Israel, are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They don't even know how to blush. If that doesn't speak to where our culture is now, I don't know what does. Because the boundaries have been moved. The norms have been shifted. And we need a reset. Boundaries are there. If John Covey was here, he could speak to this better than I can, but I I love air travel. And, you know, you think about Boundaries are there to protect us. If we didn't have some of the boundaries that we have in terms of the, the signage on, and the lights and the painted lines and the different, you know, there's, there's diff, all different kinds of lines and there's six different colored lights and there's different signs that have letter and number designations when you're looking around an airport, if you've ever taxied out at an airport. And then when you get in the air, there's nothing. So you have air traffic control. That you have to that have to provide boundaries, and the pilots are very highly trained to know where they're supposed to be, right, for protection. And it's the same with boundaries that the Lord has put in place for us. So boundaries provide protection, and lastly, boundaries provide freedom. Galatians five thirteen says, "For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh." but through love serve one another. In 2 Corinthians 10, 13 says, we will not boast about things done outside of our area of authority, but we will boast about that which has happened within the boundaries of the work that God has given us, which includes our working with you. Amen. And Paul, Paul goes on a couple places in, in 1 Corinthians. Um, he talks about how all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Another, another translation says, everything's permissible, but not everything is beneficial. I'm going to read it from the message. It says, looking at it one way, you could say anything goes. 
Because of God's immense generosity and grace, we don't have to dissect and scrutinize every action to see if we'll pass muster. But the point is not to just get by. Amen? We want to live well, but our foremost efforts should be to help others live well. So these boundaries that the Lord has placed for us, they're there for our protection. They're there to release us into freedom. They're there because they've fallen in pleasant places, as David says. And, you know, the, the saying, the grass is always greener on the other side. And so Satan has kind of distorted that picture of the boundaries and kind of given us a negative of, no, no, no don't lock me in. Don't, don't block me in. Don't, don't restrict on what I can do. But the reality is God's saying, I have so much more. If you would just throw yourself in, if you would just immerse yourself in me, if you would abide in me, if you would draw near to me, I have so much more. The level of freedom that you can experience in Christ is so much more than anything the world or Satan has to offer. Amen? I'll leave you with this this thought from John Paul II. Pope John Paul II says, Freedom is not the ability to do anything we want whenever we want. Rather, freedom is the ability to live responsibly the truth of our relationship with God and with one another. So God has placed us in a garden to tend, to give us life and life abundantly. Amen. So I want to pray this morning. I don't know if the Lord's been speaking to your heart this morning about some boundaries in your life that may be improper, that maybe need to shift, that maybe need Jesus to come and to reset. And so we're just going to pray. Just ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. And I just want to pray for you. And if you identify with that, I want to trust with you that in today, in the week to come, in the weeks to come, that Jesus will come and he will reset and restore the boundaries that have been shifted so that you can live in the fullness of the freedom that Christ has died for. Father, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, as a perfect example for us to demonstrate that it is possible to live in the fullness of the freedom that you have given us. So we thank you that. We thank you that when Jesus stood up that day in the temple and he declared that a new day was coming. He declared a year of jubilee that began on that day and has continued for generations. That we can still walk and live in the freedom in that year of jubilee that we can live in the reset as we come and we fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. 
he can bring a reset. That he can bring restoration. He can bring healing to relationships, to finances, families, businesses, careers. Father, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts, Father. We want to live for you. We want to live in the freedom that you died for. So we ask you to do a work in us, that we may be the carriers of your kingdom, Father, and that we have the opportunity to encounter the world around, that we would show forth your goodness, that we would say, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. The grass is much greener in here and invite people into your kingdom. In Jesus' name.